Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the fact that we can come to you anytime, day or night, um, and we can uh, we can give you our praises and our prayers, and and you are a kind and good God. And uh, I pray, Lord, that this morning as we open up your word, that you would draw us near to you, Lord, and help us discover the depths of your love. And I pray for anyone who's watching, if uh, you would bring encouragement to them as well. Anyone here, that you would have a word of encouragement and, and help as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's, uh, let's open up your Bibles. If you're a Bibles, uh, open up to the book of James. We're actually going to, we started a study in the book of James and we're going back to it. It's only four chapters long, but uh, we are in actually chapter two. And uh, um, we took some couple weeks off to uh, to talk about Christmas stuff, and, and that was fun. And uh, I love Christmas. And uh, how many guys have put away your Christmas ornaments and decorations yet? Not yet. Yeah, probably this week, huh? Yeah. Well, we're looking at, uh, we're going to be in James 2, and specifically we're going to be in verses 14 to 26 in James 2. And James, of course, is, um, he's a half-brother of Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, he uh, didn't believe in Jesus during his life. Uh, but Jesus uh, appears to him after, uh, after the resurrection. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians and uh, becomes a pillar in the church, a leader in the church. And, and of course, James writes this very, very practical letter. James is like a shepherd that's writing to churches that have been scattered. And uh, he's encouraging them. And, of course, uh, he starts off the letter about encouraging them in trials, right? Uh, um, he says, Consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, you know, and let that endurance have its perfect result so that you may per- be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the trials that bring maturity and, and fruitfulness in our lives, right? And, um, and so in James, in James 2, in the section we're looking at, he's going to be um, uh, addressing a, a, a very common thing that was going on, uh, and that actually happens today is is uh, having to do with with, fakes, with faith and and works with faith and and your life, you know. And so let me just read the the portion, then we'll get into it. Uh, in James two verse fourteen, this is what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and need of daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and and be filled. And yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. Uh, What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith without the works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. And the demons also believe, and they shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works 
when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar, you see that faith was working with works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as, or reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them another, out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now there's a lot going on here in this chapter, in this section, and I'm going to take my time to explain it. There's, um, uh, there's some very, um, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, important things that he says. And, uh, and so let's just talk about it. So, so James is anticipating a question that went around, basically. And the question or the thing went around was, they, they held on to Paul's statement. Paul says, hey, you know, you're saved by faith alone, right? Which you are. You're saved by placing your faith in Christ. And what was going on is, and this happens today, is that can you believe in Jesus or believe, that Je- believe in Jesus and have, n- have nothing happen in your life? Can there, is there a divorce or separation between what you say you believe and how you live? And people will go around and say, well, I can believe and, and live the same way I have always lived. That was going around. And, of course, James is going to address that. Can you, can you, uh, can you be a Christian not, and not live like a Christian? You know? If you look at the section here, he repeats the word um, uh, faith like 13 times and works or a form of uh, both words uh, 12 times. 12. So he's comparing the two or he's emphasizing the two in the section. Faith and works, faith and works, faith and works. And the problem was going on is that some people were saying you can believe mentally in your mind that, about Jesus but then not even have your life be changed. It happens today. Hey, I'll take Jesus, I'll take the goods, and just go on my merry way and live how I want to live. Is that really the sign of true faith? And what he's going to develop here is, wait a second here, no, no, no. It has always been that faith and, and works, or how you live, are always connected. Right? A true faith results in certain things. He's going he's to develop that idea, and he's also going to then, of course, bring up some very interesting examples. He has three examples. He has examples of demons who believe, but yet aren't saved. He has the example of, of Abraham who believed and had works and was saved. And he has the example of Rahab. Okay, So let's talk about, first of all, he says, what use is it, my brethren? He's talking to believers here now, right? So he's not telling you how to be saved. He's going to tell you what saved people look like. What use is it if someone says he has faith, faith but has no, I'm a believer. You ever meet somebody that says they're a believer, but then you look at their life like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, of course I'm a Christian, right? And they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? Well, he's addressing this, 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 the attitude that I can believe privately in Jesus. It's all mentally inside, but not even show that outside my life. 
He says, what use is it, my brethren, verse 14, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? Is that the kind of faith that's going to actually rescue you? Now, the word save here is used in two different ways. One, in the context of the book of James, it's actually used as, as being saving through trials. When you have faith in God in trials, you trust in God through the trials, right? And God brings you through the trials, right? When you, have, when, you have, when you have trials that come in your life and you turn to God in faith and you turn to his word in faith, right? And that word of God and the, and the faith in God gets you through the trials, right? That saves you out of that, amen? That's one way that word saved is used. But of course, it's used also in the generic or the overall sense of, of saving salvation at final redemption, but if you have faith, if he says, if someone says he has faith but has no works, can that kind of faith save him? Then he gives an example. He says, well, if a, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warm and be filled, yet you don't give them what is necessary for the food, what use is that? Now, here's the thing to point attention to. He's not talking about meeting a guy on the street corner, right? The guy at the freeway entrance, you know, asking for food. He's not even talking about that. A perfect stranger. He's actually talking about if, 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 if a brother or sister in the Lord, the word adelphos there is, is used as fellow believers. If you see a fellow believer, so he's not talking about seeing a stranger, which we ought to help people out, right? But now he's talking about, wait, a fellow believer in your church that is going through really, really hard times, and you see that they're having a hard time, and you, and you say, just be filled, be warmed, God bless you, you know. And you're able to do something? This is a brother in the Lord. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about, wait, this is, you know, some people, okay, you know, you don't want to talk to strangers, but now you're talking about somebody in the church. Because if you have that, if that's what's going on, how, wait a second here. What use is that kind of faith? Right? The two most important commandments in all the scriptures, love the Lord your God with the whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, Right? You claim to have love for God, but John says, hey, how can I know you love God if you don't love your neighbor? You don't love your brother, right? How can you love God who you have not seen if you don't love your brother who you have seen? First John, chapter probably four or something. So like, really the question is, you know, what exactly is, is true faith? You say, you say one thing, but then wait a second, how can you, you say go in peace, be warmed? You're just empty words, Right? Just empty words. Now, the true faith ought to, ought to result in something. And, and I, I, in my notes as I was you know, meditating on this, and just hit me, but, but what James is trying to say here is this whole, this, this works in faith, how does that work, right? You're not saved by works. Well, actually, you're saved by the work of Jesus Christ, right? It's his work that saves us. Not our works. Let's establish right there. We are saved by the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Right? But faith in Christ ought to lead to your life being different, right? Uh, it ought to lead uh, a true faith never travels alone. Okay? True faith does not travel. There's no such thing as, I hear people say, well, you know, my, my Christianity is my private thing. You know, it's my personal private thing. 
and I never let it out of the house. <laughs> In fact, I never, I never let it out of, the, out of my mouth. You know, it's like, it's my own little private nonsense. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. You're not supposed to have a light and stick a, a shade over it to, 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 to hide it. No, let, let your light shine. Oh, you know, do, do uh, what he says in, 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 uh, in this. Uh, let your light so shine that they may see your good works, that they may glorify your Father in heaven, right? There's no such thing as private Christianity. You know, maybe people are, cri- are private and when they're persecuted, they're kind of beaten together. But really, people ought to know there's something different. True faith never travels alone. It always has something with it. And that's the works of righteousness that goes forth. So true faith uh, is more than just believing facts, right? Mentally believing facts about something. I believe that Jesus existed. I believe that Jesus and these certain facts. True faith also includes the, 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 the um, uh, there's three things that the reformers said. There was the, I'm thinking all three of them, but one is the idea of this, not just mentally here, but this, this, um, this ascent to it and this, this, this trust True faith involves, involves trust, involves uh, 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 an actual resting, uh, and, and not just mental facts, but an entrusting of our life, right? Uh, includes, of course, uh, repentance. It includes, it includes, you know, true faith results in, in certain things. It results in, in our lives being different, and us being aware of people, and us being aware of people. Uh, caring for one another, and that, that the, pe- the lives of people around us ought to, ought to, be, ought to be changed. Now, I say to my, to my shame that I don't always live perfectly my faith, okay? I may be a pastor, but I still struggle, you know, with, with various things. And I'm like, Lord, help live your life through me, you know? And maybe there's, there's still, you know, selfishness, you know, in, in, in me that still God has to work through, you know? But there ought to be some, even just some desire, Lord, help me to walk more like you. Jesus says, follow me, right? And I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, following Jesus assumes following somebody, right? Which means it's a different walk, right? You can't say, I believe in Jesus and not walk like Jesus. Right? I mean, being a Christian, or today it's, it's hip to say a Christ follower, right? I'm a Jesus follower. That's a Christian. You're walking after Jesus. See, the reason why, why, why our walk is different is because the one who changes our heart is living inside us, right? So he gets in there, he starts moving things around, he starts taking out the trash, right? He starts, you know, kind of rearranging things, and, and you're a different person, yeah, you still have some of the old tendencies, but he's changing you, right? He's given you a new heart. And you can't claim to be a Christian and not, act, and not have any resemblance of Christ in your, in your life. That's not true faith. And James is addressing that. You can't say you have faith and yet not be a little Jesus to people and caring for people. True faith is a faith that will impact other people I meet. That's why I go to a restaurant. I go to a restaurant. I always ask for a waiter and waitress name, you know, because I just want to know their name. I want to say hi to them. Gonna, you know, and when you meet people, you know, really at the end of the at the end of the story, end of your life is going to be what does it do with the people I brought in your life? Did you love them? 
Did you care for them? Right? Oh, but Lord, I was of the private Christianity type, you know, so I, I kept to myself. No, 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 that's not Jesus' way. Yes, I know the shy people. I'm shy, very shy. But there ought to be something in your life that people say, I, I, I want that. And my life is better because of this Christian. That, you know, it ought to be, hey, this person's a Christian. Oh, thank you, Lord, you know? And so James is addressing that. True faith meets real needs. It has to be demonstrated. Now, we're not doing works to gain salvation. The, the works is a product. Faith produces that, right? That's the order is correct. Faith that produces that. Um, remember James is... Um, he relies heavily on the Sermon on the Mount. So I want you to go to um, like Matthew 7. Go to your left to Matthew 7. And that's, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And, and there's a couple of places here, but just mainly in, in, in chapter 7 where Jesus makes the same point, you know, like um, that uh, Matthew 7. A couple of places, of course. Uh, verse 12 is, is the golden rule. And everything therefore treat people the way you want to be treated. You want them to treat you, for that's the law and the prophets. Okay, so how you relate to people. Uh, and then he talks about in verse 15, in Matthew seven fifteen about true and false prophets. How do I tell a true prophet from a false prophet? Well, some come to you dressed. They look like Christians. They act like, or they, they say they're Christians, but he says you'll know them by their fruit, right? Now, sometimes we can be very introspective and say, God, I don't see any fruit in my life, right? So don't be too hard on yourself. But there ought to be this, you know, at least some kindness, you know, some, some desire. Lord, I want to I grow in you more, you know? Um, he says in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father and what you say is one thing, James and Jesus, but what you do, that's the proof of it, right? And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and in your name perform all kinds of miracles, which are wonderful things, right? But Jesus says, I never knew you. So there they had the works, right? Without the true faith. They had the, the works with the, that's, that's And James is going to get that in the next part of James. We'll talk about that, the two, the two things. Go, go, go in, a, in Matthew 7. He, he finishes up. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Acts on them, puts them to practice. May be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain and the floods came, and the winds blew. And slammed up against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Its life was founded on the rock because it put to practice the words of Jesus. Man, there's a lot of people out there saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And there's, there's, there's no difference in their life. Oh, come to Jesus and remain the way you are. That's a false gospel. Jesus says, yeah, come to me, all who wear and have me live, and I'll give you rest. But if you follow Jesus, you won't, remain, you won't remain the same person you were. He'll change your life. Are you one who say you're a believer, but yet you don't want to live like Jesus? What are you doing? 
you're building your house on the sand, not on the rock. That's so what he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is foolish. So you're building your house, your life on sand. You're, you're a fraud, right? People say, oh, but you say you're a Christian, but you don't look. And, and, and so James is, is carrying on, on to what, what true and false faith is. And go back to James. True faith. Can, has to be demonstrated. It's more than empty words. And of course, there's the changes that the Lord does in your life. It, I think it begins with a desire to know him more, Right? I think it does start inside a desire, a hunger for him. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, the things I want to do, I don't do. You know, And the things I don't want to do, I do, as Paul says. Right? There's that struggle. If there is the struggle, there's a sign of life. If there's no sign of struggle and a desire to grow in him, there's no life. Right? So he said, so, so James is really, he's talking to believers, my brethren. He's talking to the church, he's talking to us. Is there a struggle to, to grow in Christ, to want to be more like Jesus? Even if it's a small little <laughs> minuscule amount, there's something there, right? I mean, I'm, I'm 50, <clears throat> 53, 35 years old, you know. <laughs> you know? And I still have the, I'm in the Word all the time. I'm like, Lord, I'm, I have not. I'm not where I want to be, but I want to grow. So it starts, I think it starts off with a changed heart and Lord, and desire to, to be more, more like Christ and a, desire, a prayer life, a desire to, 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 to talk to God and to, you know, to be around other fellow believers. That's a good sign, you know. And of course, eventually, you know, it is uh, humility is another sign. Lord, um, man, I really, I almost ruined Christmas. <laughs> oh, I, with the, I was panicking. Okay, Christmas, I'll give you a little confession. Okay, okay. So we had food. So we, so I went to the went to the store and got some brisket. Christmas Day. Well, I went to the store to get because we're all trying to do stuff and Sharon's shopping and I'm shopping. I'm like, I'll go to the store and get the food, right? Like, so I don't know. I'm, I'm supposed to get a roast, right? Because I am. I'm not a cook. I don't know. And so I asked the butcher, "What's the most tenderest thing?" Well, he goes, "This stuff." So I got two packages and and uh, and it turns out they're more like brisket because they're really tender. And then we got it done. I'm like, "Well, there's not, there's not enough meat here." So then I, I you know, I, I'm I'm going. It's Christmas Day. Sandy, it's Christmas Day. Nothing's open, right? I go to a place in Scottsdale. I think it's open. No, they're dead closed. I, and so I go to Chompy's, right? A Jewish deli. <laughs> they don't have anything I need, you know. So, so I call my mom up, and you know, and I. At the end, we had more than enough food, but I I panicked. I'm like, we don't have enough. I felt so bad because I had my mom had to cook for an hour and a half, and I had to, and I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, I put this prayer, and I was like, oh, this this. This, and I'm like, and I felt so bad. I felt like I ruined Christmas, you know. And in the end, it turned out okay. We had fun, right? We were blessed, and it was a good time. But, but I'm like, I'm 50 some odd years old, walking with the Lord, and I'm still learning to to have to grow, right? 
But my desire is, Lord, help me to, next time I'm going, I'm not, I'm going to trust my wife or whoever else with the food. I'm not going to mess with that. And I'm going to, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to do what I know how to do, you know, just set up chairs and things like that, you know. But, um, but true faith results in this, this change heart that, of course, leads to um, a changed life. So, so that's why he says, you know, you say you have faith, but if you have a brother who's a brother and sister who's in need, has clothing and everything, and then you say go in peace and be warm, but you don't give them what's necessary. What use is that? What's the good of that? Look, James is practical. What good is that, right? Give me some practical faith, right? Even so, faith without, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Now, verse eighteen is a is a the start of verse eighteen starts this 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 not argument, sort of this, this conversation uh, with an imaginary person that, that James is putting up, right? And this person is coming along and say, well, and it's going to be in the first part of verse 18. Solomon may say, well, James, you have faith and I have works. And what the point he's trying to say is this, hey, that faith and works can be separate, not together. Well, I have faith. You have works. Hey, hey I, I've been gifted gifts of faith. You have the gift of works. Let's carry on. And, and the point is, it's really subtle, right? That that can carry on my inward faith all by myself with no one else knowing it. It's just between me and God, right? And you can then have your works. And James is like, whoa, hold on here, wait. You, you're, you're separating those two that ought not to be separated. Jesus comes on the scene and he claims to be the Son of God, but if Jesus doesn't do the works of God, we don't believe in him, right? But because, we, but because he has lived his life in such a way to demonstrate, yeah, he is really a son of God, we believe him, right? They weren't just empty words. So in verse 18, it's this, this, this idea. It's like, you have faith and I have works. And that's what this person is saying. And James says, the second part of verse 18, well, James says, well, show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my, my faith by my works. Show me your faith without the works. Okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'll never see it, right? Because I can't see into your heart. I'll show you, though, my faith through my works. My life will be demonstration of the true faith. Does that make sense? Show me your faith without the works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. That's his whole point, is the demonstration of faith will be seen in a changed life. He gives three, he gives, he gives three examples. One is the first example, verse 19. Uh, the first one is the example of somebody who believes only, right? All I need is to, is to believe that there's a God, and I'm saved. Okay, you believe that God is one, and he's He's, of course, uh, of course uh, referring also to the, uh, the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4 and 5. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe. And they shudder. It's like, wait, if, if, it, all, if, it, took, if all it takes is just a mental assent that, that I believe that there's a God, well, the demons believe there's a God. It didn't save them. See what he's saying here? So this, let me just make sure I don't lose you guys. He is not disagreeing with Paul when Paul says we are saved by grace through faith, right? 
they would be on the same page. What he's saying is there are people who say, I just believe that there's a God, but they have no trust in God, no surrender to God, right? no actual faith in God. And he says, wait, that kind of faith that just believes that, oh, I believe that God, I think there's a God, is in the same camp as demons who also believe that there's God, and they shudder, they're petrified. They're not, and that kind of faith won't save you. That's dangerous. Make sense? You believe you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? If your faith in Christ does not result in some changes, in some, even if it's small, subtle things, are like, I'm, my, my heart's different about certain things, and he's changed. I don't think that way. That, that's, those are good things, you know, and, and, and it's, it doesn't have to be in some long, drawn-out, huge, demonstrative way. It's just little things that God's done. And, and so let me just say something. Is In, in Scripture, there's, there's this process of, of sanctification, right, where he is making us more and more like Jesus in our daily lives. We don't have to be instantly sanctified in the sense of we're perfectly in, perfect in our, in our walk. We, I, mean, we, I would love to be that, but it's a lifetime, right? It's a lifetime of, of, of yielding to, to the Holy Spirit, of being obedient to the Holy Spirit, right? Of growing and becoming more like Jesus. That's a lifetime. It's called sanctification, right? Don't beat yourself up if you're not. <laughs> Some of us are perfectionists. How many of you guys are perfectionists? Right? I am. Uh, Lord, why, why haven't I become perfect like Jesus? Like, why, hasn't, why do I still fail, right? And I'm upset that I fail. That's a good, actually a good, good sign of your life, because you, right? Let me just say, don't, don't, be, don't beat yourself up over, over not having that. <laughs> That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit's job to, to sanctify you. You're my, my job and your job is to listen to the Holy Spirit and you'll be obedient to him. So sanctification is, is you um, and in partnership with the Holy Spirit, listening to him, be obedient to him. So let's say I, did, let's say I said offen- something offensive to Sharon, and the Holy Spirit says, John, um, that was not kind. You didn't go apologize to her. Okay, no, no, really. Say, you know, and, you know, you're right, Lord, I, I was rude, you know. And so I go to Sharon, would you, will you forgive me for being rude to you? Okay. That, that's a sanctification process there. That's me listening to the Holy Spirit and being obedient. You know? so that's just one little example. So my, my point is, is the faith, the works part is a lifeline, lifetime of, of growth in Christ. It's the hunger for Christ and I become more like Jesus Verse 20, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Now, verse 21 is the second example of this kind of faith. And this is going to get a little sticky here, okay? So you guys with me? How many of you guys have your Bibles? Y'all have your Bibles, right? Okay, bless you. <clears throat> okay. So he's going he's gonna to now use Abraham as an example, and we're going to have to do some explaining. Got some explaining to do with then he says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? Wait a second here. Wait a second. Let me read that again. Let me read that again. Was not, was not, 
Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar. And you see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled when it says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a man was justified, that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Let me explain this. First of all, what's James' main point? James' point has been saying, there's faith that always comes with works. Faith produces works, right? It's not works to faith. It's faith that then produces righteous works, right? We're saved by faith, not by works. We're saved by faith in, Christ, in the finished work of Christ, right? Faith is never alone. Faith never travels alone, right? You get that, okay? What his whole point is, is if there's true faith, there ought to be some demonstration of the faith, right? He said that the last few verses. That's been his whole point. Now he brings up, he says, now Abraham was justified by works. You say, wait a second, I've read my Bible before. I've read what St. Paul has said, and that doesn't sound like St. Paul, does it? Okay, well, let's, let's look at it. So like, go to um, the book of Romans. Um, um, so like Romans 3, look, look at this. this is, I have to show this to you guys because... Uh, because it can be confusing, and I want to clear, I want to explain it, because that's what I'm supposed to do. So Romans 3. And <clears throat> verse, uh, to, um, uh, verse 20, let's do, uh, where am I at? 20, 28. Let's just skip right to, the, to one of the verses. Paul says in Romans 3.28, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now we have to define our terms here. Okay? Um, and I'll, I'll get that in a second. Let me get this good. Romans, so, so, so it seems like he's saying you're justified by faith apart from works of the law. And James sees me saying he, we're justified by faith. By works. Go to Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Okay. Um, let's go. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of examples. Let's go to, let me just look at it in Galatians. I have one in Galatians. Galatians 2. Um, Oh, Galatians 2. Go to Galatians to your rights from Romans, okay? Galatians 2, 15 and 16. Look, 16 actually. Uh, I'll, I'll read it. Galatians 2, 16. Paul says, he's, he says, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Um, I can go on from there. So, so Paul seems to think we're justified by faith but not works of the law. One thing is, first of all, Paul is emphasizing the order, remember? It's faith that leads to works. And Paul's saying you can't work your way to be justified. Now what's justified mean? Let's just clarify that word. Because James and Paul are using it in two different ways. Okay? The word justified, typically we think of uh, justified as a declarative word, right? 
Uh, in, in Romans, uh, that the word justified means to be declared. The judge says not guilty. I declare you not guilty, right? It's, it's a legal term. It's a, it's a forensic term. Um, and um, it's, it's in that sense that Paul's using it, okay? And he's saying, before God, it takes faith, right? It's interesting that James and Paul will actually use the same scripture about Abraham. Now, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so one is a declarative sense, justified, and that's what Paul is using. God has declared this person not guilty because of their faith in me, right? That's what, uh, that's what um, Paul is saying. That's what, uh, in fact, um, that's what uh, he says in, uh, go, to, go to Genesis, go to Genesis, hey, we didn't have church last Sunday, so I'm making up for last time. So <laughs> go to Genesis 15. Okay. Um, God says to Abraham, um, "I'm going to give you, you know, I'm 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 going to give you children and 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 everything else." And he took him outside, verse, verse 5, Genesis 15, 5. And he took him outside, God took Abraham outside, and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Now, verse 6. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it him to righteousness. That's what Paul will quote. As that's when he was justified. His belief in the Lord in his promises, he says, I believe, I trust in you, and God accredited him as righteousness. That's justification, okay? That's Romans saying, now he was declared because of his faith, and we are saved by grace through faith, right? So that's the declarative form of the word justify. The word is actually dikaio, uh, dikaio in Greek. It has that sense of declare, declaring, but it also has a different sense, and this other sense is what James is saying, it's a demonstrative sense. Um, to demonstrate. So to justify it can be declarative sense, that God, I, de- I declare you not guilty, I declare you innocent, I declare you free of all charges, but it's also justified demonstratively. Declarative sense, demonstrative sense. Um, go to, I got a bunch of scriptures for this. Go, go to Matthew uh, Let's see here. Matthew 11. Let's go there first. If you come to our church, you're going to turn your Bibles, right? We're going to have fun. We're going to break these things open here. Okay. Um, do I want Matthew 11? Yes. Matthew 11. Um, yeah. Do I want to use that one? Verse 19, I, I, this, it's a real subtle, it's just, this word is used in verse 19, Matthew eleven nineteen. it says, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated, justified by her deeds. It's demonstrated, right? By her deeds. Go to Luke, um, Luke uh, 10, go to Luke 10. Um, And 
and I'm just going to skip right to uh, verse 25 to 29. Somebody tests Jesus and says in verse 25, a lawyer stood up, stood up put him to the test and said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what is, what is it written in the law? How does it read to you? Verse 27, Matthew 10, 27. Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. He said, you have answered correctly, do this and live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now Jesus goes on in the story to share the story of the Good Samaritan. How do, and and, and he's, he demonstrates who your neighbor is, is by the story. And maybe that's not the best example. Go to Luke 16. I'm, I'm carrying a couple examples here, and I don't know if I wrote down the exact, all the scriptures I want to write down, but Luke 16. Um, here we go. Here we go. Verse 14. This might help out. Then we'll go back to James. Luke 16, verse 14. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men. But God knows your hearts. Now there's a key right there. You justify yourselves before men. How do you do that? By how you, you kind of be really religious, right? You pray and you fast. You all, in front of people so they can see you, right? You justify, you demonstrate your religious activity before men. But, contrast, God knows your heart. See that? So now when we get back to, when we get, and there's more verses I can, I can you know, can talk about. But when we get back to James, James's whole point is true faith will lead to a changed life, right? True faith is demonstrated in how, how your life is lived. True faith doesn't travel alone. It has works with it. Now you see James is not focusing on the faith part in the sense of what only God can see, right? Go to James 2. When he says, was not Abraham our father justified, verse 21, by works when he offered up Isaac on his altar? Now let me just, let me just stop there. Are you guys still with me? Okay. Remember, 15 of Genesis, he believed God and God credited him as righteousness, right? That's where faith was. And God saw that faith. And he says, that's righteous. That's enough for me because I can see your heart. You know, it's not until Genesis 22, this is where James is referring to Genesis 22, where he actually offered up Isaac, right? The demonstration of that faith. He's justified declaratively by his faith here. He's justified demonstratively by his willingness to offer up his son there. Paul emphasizes this over here in Genesis 15. James emphasizes this over here. See that? Same, ver- same, same guy. And James says, he's justified, I agree with Paul, before God by his faith. God can see his heart. But before the rest of the world, <laughs> his trust in God is, is, not, is only demonstrated by his actions of obedience. Isaac's the first person to see. My dad really believes in God because that knife came right here, you know, and he really believes in God. And the whole world sees it. You see that? And James is saying, you can't separate faith and works because trust in God will lead into obedience to God and living for God. Amen? That's what he, so that's why he says, he says, you see that a man is, uh, Abraham is, is justified by his works and um, 
when he offered up his song on the altar, verse 21, you see the faith was, verse 22, faith was working with works. They're partners, they're friends, they're not enemies. As a result of the works, faith was perfected. As you obey God and listen to God, your faith becomes more pure and more purified and more mature. That's why if you, there are some people I know who have been going to church for a long time, but they're still baby Christians. Why? Because they listen, they sit in the chair, not in our church, they sit in the chair on Sundays, but the rest of their life they don't, listen, they don't really have an interest in really wanting to grow in God. They're, they're still baby Christians, and they don't put God's word to practice. A mature Christian is one who's wrestled with the Lord and has said, yes, okay, and has, 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 has living a life of obedience. That's where maturity happens. You want to see a Christian who's mature, you see a, pers- a Christian who's been obedient in their life. So that's why he says, Abraham, was, uh, God, uh, believed God and God reckoned him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. It doesn't come, you know, it's, it works flows out of the faith, right? And that's James's whole point. Let our lives be one of demonstration of the faith we live, right? Let it be, hey, God, I, I still struggle. I'm not perfect in my walk with the Lord, but I, I want to do better, right? Uh, that, that's a good thing, you know? If there's no struggle, there's no life. If there's, no, if there's not even a desire to go, then you're fooling yourself, you know? And you're building your house on, on sand. Life's important, Right? Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for, for us, right? I won't finish the, the rest of You get the point of the whole James. You get the whole point. Is, is, and Jesus Christ demonstrates the love of God by taking the wounds on the cross, right? Jesus Christ demonstrates the love of God by coming and doing what he did, right? And by being faithful and by doing the works of God and sending his Holy Spirit and praying for us and everything else. He demonstrates the love of God. What, love of God could have been just a, 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 an ethereal idea, but it's proven by the cross of Jesus Christ. I don't know Jesus is real because he really took the nails, right? He really took the, the thorns and the, and, the, and the beating on the side. We're going to celebrate, we do this on the first Sunday of the month. I know it went a little long today. Uh, we're going to celebrate communion. Celebrate the fact that God's, God's redemption is not just in words, it's in deed. And it's through Jesus Christ that we, that we are saved. And, and uh, take a few minutes. I want to ask you a question as you just close your eyes and uh, take a few minutes to reflect. But I'm going to ask you a question. Um, and uh, as they uh, start handing out the, uh, the communion Close your eyes and, and just, just reflect and let me ask you, do you have true faith? Is your faith real or is it just in word only? Do you desire to, to want to be more like Jesus and do you desire to actually follow him in obedience? Is there a struggle? And if there's not, do you want to surrender to Christ today? Right here, right now.
And pray this prayer with me. If you're watching online or even here in this in this in our church here, you quietly pray between you and the Lord. Say, Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I have lived my life without you. But I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth to to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for my sins, and that His blood that was shed washes all my sins away. Lord, I believe that He died, was buried, and three days later rose again, and He's alive today. And Lord, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Lord, would you wash all my sins away? Would you give me a new heart? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you lead me on a new course of life? In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. If you prayed, whether here or out there, you're a new creature. All things from the old have passed away. Everything is new now. If you don't go to our church, um, go to a church, get, get a Bible, a Bible you can understand, and read it. Fellowship with fellow believers that can help you, pray with you, encourage you. Uh, Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. It's meant to live, you're meant to live in community, really. There's no low range of Christians. Even Jesus needed his best friends with him. Right? Let's pass out the, the, uh, the elements, and uh, as you get, just take some, just a, few moments just to reflect and just and just give praise to the Lord. God is good. Lord is present here. Lord, thank you that you have given your life for us and that you have given us um, this um, participation in communion. Uh, as, as you said, do this in remembrance of me and um, whether we're small or large, we're believers who are together, who trust in you. And these elements that we hold and um, in our in our hands uh, help us helps us to remember what you did on the cross. And we are so grateful to you, Lord. Lord, I pray for the salvation of every person here in our church and everyone watching, Lord. 
Let this be true faith, Lord. Radically true faith that changes our lives, God. Because you are alive, Lord. You are real. And you're God. And you're good. And you know what you're doing. And we surrender to you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you made a way. And maybe we don't understand everything that we've gone through in our lives or or you can't see far into the future, but we know that you hold the future in your hands. In fact, you're already in the future before we get to the future, Lord. And you promise to be with us and never to forsake us. Lord, help us to walk in obedience to you. The Apostle Paul says, um, he says, For I have received from the Lord which, that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, thank you for your body that was broken, that you willingly gave up to be just broken for us, Lord. You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we rejoice in that. And we say thank you. Let's partake together. In the same way, Paul continues, he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, it is your blood, the blood of the spotless lamb that cleanses all of our sins away. Past, present, future, surface sin, and really, really deep sin. No matter what, it is your blood as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. No works that we can do can ever wash our sins away, but the blood of Jesus cleanses our sin. Let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. 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 You know, just stand up. Let's give God praise. I just want to say something. The word, I hope you guys have a word for the year. The word for the year, I don't know, rejoice, thankfulness, something along those terms. Let's be thankful this year. Let's rejoice in the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Amen, amen. Let's just praise the Lord that he is still on the throne and he's still good. He, his, his mercies never change, they never run out. And let's just give God praise. And so, we're gonna uh, do a prayer. We're gonna do a praise and worship night later this month. We'll have a. We'll talk about it at our team meeting next week. Come on over to our house next Sunday after church. We'll have lunch. We'll plan out the next few months. We'll pray over things and we'll just have a lot of fun and and uh, and just get input and see what we all want to do. So God bless you. God bless you. Let's. Uh, I'm just gonna bless you guys with the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. See you guys next week. Take care.